0: All right, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. I'm going to backtrack to where we were a few weeks ago. Last week we had such incredible worship, and and we had testimony, we had prophecy, we had a tongue, we had just a lot going on, and I kind of steered us a different direction with with the message. We're going to get back on track to Galatians chapter 3 and how it tells us that we are heirs of Abraham, we are heirs of Christ, and the blessings of Abraham are our blessings, So I want to dive back into this. And if you don't get anything else from today, I'm going to say this, I hope, a hundred times today. God is a blessing God. God blesses his children. Listen to me, church. You may feel like you have never received a blessing before in your life. I want you to know the God that I'm preaching about today is a blessing God. God blesses his children Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Part of our hope is based on the promises of God. You need to get in the Word and get to know God and get to know His promises because your hope will increase. Your belief will increase. And you will know what blessings you should be receiving. And if we're not under that faucet, somehow we've gotten off. Do you hear me? It's a way to know whether or not I'm under the blessing or not under the blessing of God. And I can tell you, I have lived life in both situations. And it's not been God's fault. It's been mine. I have gotten out from under it. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. So we're going to, I'm going to try to break this down into three different ways that God blesses us through the blessings of Abraham, because what did God promise Abraham? First, I'm going to show you uh, uh, one section of God's promises, promises, a great posterity. That's a word I had to look up, a great posterity, which means it's blessings for future Generations. I want you to know that God doesn't just have me in mind. He has my children and my children's children and their children in mind when he blesses me. I want you to know that if God just blessed me and then it shut off, that wouldn't be enough for me. My dad not only wanted to bless himself, but he wanted to bless me. And he doggone wanted to bless my children, my earthly father. That's what God does. God blesses his children and their children. It says uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Genesis 15, 5 says, Look toward heaven and the, and the number, number of the stars, if you are able to number them, so shall your descendants be. Genesis chapter 13, verse 4. Lift up your eyes and look for the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land you see I will give to you and to your descendants forever. Did I not have that one? No? Genesis 15. Yeah, let's go right there. No, that's not it. Anyway, that was a good one. Yeah, here it is. To you and your descendants as a personal, as a permanent possession. Listen to me, church. He is saying that he is going to give everything that he can see, not only to Abraham, but to Abraham's descendants. Now, what you must connect is that Galatians chapter 3 connects these promises to us. Scripture says, and I said it this morning about us praying for our nation, if we would just ask for it, he will give it. What is that saying? I believe that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. I believe that goes all the way back to, I'm sorry, Genesis, uh, the the blessings of Abraham to to, uh, Galatians chapter 3, that it is whatever we see. If we will ask for what's in front of us, he will give it to us. He's saying if you'll just ask for your nation, he will give it to us. What's in front of you? I can tell you what's in front of me is my family. And I can tell you that Satan sometimes tries to grab my family. But the Lord says, you see what you can see? If you will follow me, I will give that to you. Satan will not possess that right there. It says that with Abraham that his seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. That's a blessing of Abraham. The things that I see God wants to give me the things that Abraham saw he wanted to give him. The second group is more general. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 says, Abram believed the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. God justifies Abram because of his faith and justification is an act of God that's full of promise. Ever since God had chosen this ungodly man, and promised to make him a great nation, he remained childless. He had promised him a child, and the promise seemed hopeless. And you know what, Abraham, sometimes we think that these people that we read about in Scripture were just the chosen ones, and, and we're not like them. But I want you to know that Abraham got in the way of God. He messed it up just like all of us do. I don't care who you read in Scripture, as long as it's not Jesus, they messed it up. Horribly. For so many things that in our own life left on our own, so bad that it couldn't be fixed. But God chose Abraham because of his faith. The faith of Abraham, it says that he, he uh, what, what did I say? It says that he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15 verse 4 says, Your own son shall be your heir. Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your descendants be. What is this saying? It is saying that God is going to act for Abraham. Therefore, Abraham looks away from himself What that means is he looks away from even the the sin of Adam, a grand reversal of Adam's sin, and trusts in God to keep his word. God makes him this promise that seemed impossible, that he was going to make great nations out of him, and he was beyond the fathering age. His wife was beyond the birthing age. uh, Abraham kind of got in the way, but God still acted on his behalf. This act of faith that Abraham had so honors God, the glory of God's trustworthiness and power and mercy, that God responds to him with the gift of justification. Now, I don't know if you can catch this, but the gift of justification is about the greatest gift we could be given. God is putting himself on the hook for all of Abraham's sins past and future, everything he would do. It says in Romans that there is there therefore no condemnation. He is removing the condemnation and the pressure and the uh, weight of sin from Abraham right here, and saying that I will be your your God forever. How many of you know that you have been justified? One. I want you to know that is real. We walk around still with the weight of our own sin. Not receiving this gift. Listen to me, church. I'm the biggest sinner in the group. You think you're bad? I wanna say I'm worse, but I'm just, I'm just as bad. Your stuff doesn't outweigh my stuff. But I do not live under that weight. I don't walk around like my dad would say a Banny Rooster. Is that the wrong expression? doesn't matter. I think that's what he said. I don't care. (laughs) Strutting along that I deserve it. I don't. I don't deserve it. But I also don't walk around with that weight. I've been forgiven. You may want to try to hold it against me. I don't care. I genuinely don't care because he doesn't hold it against me. Now, I have consequences to what I've done those aren't gone. We live in a world that has consequences. If I sow this, I'm going to reap that. There is no stopping that. If I sow that, I'm going to get it. If I sow mercy, I get mercy. If I sow the opposite of mercy, I don't get mercy. There are laws in place that I can't undo, but one thing I can do is I can receive justification. that when I come to God by the blood of Jesus and I come clean and I confess my sin and I ask him to forgive me, he is faithful to forgive my sin. And I don't have to walk around with that weight. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He says in Genesis chapter 17 verse 7, Let's go to Genesis 15, 6. It says, God reckoned his faith to him for righteousness, which means that God is not against him, but for him the rest of his life and to all eternity. Genesis 17, 7 says, I will establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. That gives me chill bumps. Why? Because I believe the Holy Spirit is confirming who He is in this place right now. If you'll listen, I will confirm with you. Say me. Remember, Galatians chapter 3 says, this is me. This blessing for Abraham, Galatians chapter 3 says, because of Jesus Christ, we get this. We don't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. God just gives it. Why? Because God is a God who blesses. You've been walking around carrying that weight of sin forever? You can if you want. God's such a a gentle, loving God that if you want to do that, you can. But he gave everything for you so you wouldn't, so you wouldn't have to, so that you could walk free. Now, is this saying that Abraham would never sin from the time that this covenant was made? No. He still sinned. He's still a man. But that he, God, would be his God. To be honest with you, I feel the power to face whatever it is that I'm facing. Anybody here facing something? If you will allow this to sink in, you can face it. Not only can you face it, you can win. You can have victory. Why? Because God is your God. God is saying, I will be with you in everything from now on, forever forever. It says in Genesis chapter 24, verse 27, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. In other words, God reckoned Abraham's faith for righteousness. He forgave all his sins and engaged to pursue him with goodness and mercy all of his days. God is making a covenant to pursue us. I will be your God. The Lord has shown his unfailing love and faithfulness. What a promise. But that's not it. Matthew 22, verse 31. As for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what is said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The point of this, from Exodus 3, verse 15, I am the God of Abraham, is that when the eternal, all-powerful creator is God to you, death cannot destroy you. And And nothing can destroy the relationship that you have with him. Now, we can mess that up, but there is no power in hell, heaven or earth that can break it between God and me. Do you see that? I can. I can mess it up. It doesn't take much to get me off track. Anybody here have tendencies of getting off track? God doesn't ever. And there's nothing that can knock him off track. When he makes a covenant, do you, if you go back and study these covenants, When God makes covenants, he can't make them with anybody but himself. So he makes them with himself because he's faithful and he's worthy and he's trustworthy and it will not be broken once he makes it. So he makes it with himself so that it's not based on somebody that'll break it. When he makes a covenant and a promise with us and it was done by blood, it was done by the blood of Jesus, it will not be broken Satan's not big enough. Do you recognize and grasp what it is that by these blessings of Abraham, and let me just also tell you, it's also financial. Abraham was a rich dude. Everywhere he went, he was intimidating to the people he was around because he had so much stuff. God loves for you to have stuff, but it's not the point. God's a God who blesses. If you can begin to restore that covenant with God, God's a God who blesses. The one thing that I wanted us to add to that prayer that I did and I kind of wanted to stick to four is Growth. And I don't mean just growth in numbers because we need to grow as a church, but growth in maturity and growth in God. That's what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights about how to move from Hebrews 6 from the foundations because it says, don't stay there forever. Start growing. Take those foundations and begin growing. Your goal for today, for Christ, is to start growing in Christ. What will come with your relationship and your walk with Christ is blessing, is power, is wisdom, is favor, is grace, is mercy, is love, is self control. I, I I, 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 the only reason I'm stopping is because my, my brain can't get them out, it, it doesn't stop. Victory, breakthrough, mountains moving, lives changed, people healed, people restored, marriages turned around, the the dead living. Your calling, your worth, your value, your impact over our church, over our city, over our nation your potential. All I've got to do is think about any area in our life, and God makes it exponentially. I can't even say better, because better is not the right word. It's not big enough. Anything can be better. With God, it's supernatural. It's impossible. God does the impossible. God's not involved in the possible. He's involved in the impossible. He, he wouldn't have needed to have died if it was the possible. He does the impossible. All right, I'll be done. It's almost 12 o'clock. But the Titans have already played, so get off my back. Okay, y'all stand up with me. They played this morning in Europe. If y'all missed it. Oh, well. If we don't care about the Patriots. I say we. Sorry, Bruce, you do. There's always one. Change your direction. Moses had a moment in his life where God asked him to change his direction. Literally, he had to walk away from everything. Change your direction. God's direction's better. And he's going to give you everything that's in front of you. God is so good. You guys bow your heads with me. Would you just make that decision for Christ today? There's something down in your spirit that's saying that this is right. And I want you to know that that is the Holy Spirit talking to you. The Holy Spirit is here. And you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit is? It's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It is is literally Jesus speaking to you. You are getting a one-on-one conversation with him right now. Would you just surrender your life? Give your heart to him. Those of you that have done this before and need to make a change, make that change. Turn your hearts. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Turn to him. Get in the Word. Get filled with the Spirit. Start walking to Him. This is not an impossible walk. It's a walk that you can do, as Elizabeth said, that you've been equipped to to do. Even though you may be lacking provision, you don't lack provision to walk to Christ. You can start your walk right now, and I want you to know God's a provider. He says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord, your provider. Come to me. The Lord is saying to you, come to me. Father, I just thank you that you are so awesome. Your word is so good. And your word is true. Father, help us to turn. Give us the courage and the strength to start walking. Father, I ask you to give us direction on fasting and that we would be praying for these four things. But Lord, I also pray for the things that you're needing prayer for. God, I just agree with you right now that the the doors would open, that you would just give us favor and breakthrough this week. Many of you are facing major challenges come tomorrow morning. God, in Jesus' name, if you're for us, who could be against us? And no power in hell could break our relationship between the two of us, God, between you and me. So if you're with me, we can do this. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for families. We pray for finances. What was my fourth one? Uh, Schools. (laughs) Pray for our schools and growth. I will just say five. Growth, maturity, breakthrough. God, give us a great week. Let us come back with with incredible testimony of how prayer and fasting works. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week.